everyone and welcome to ADEA podcast. This podcast is following the recent webinar regarding continuous glucose monitoring, or CGMS as it's also known. My name is Rachel Freeman and on behalf of the Australian Diabetes Educators Association, I will be your host today. Today's podcast is following on from the second of our webinars in the series on CGMS. The recording of this webinar and the webinar before it is available on the ADEA Learning Management System. The second webinar in this series provided excellent information and practical advice regarding who can benefit from CGMS and how diabetes educators can support people using this technology. I would like to introduce Amanda Bartlett, who was the presenter of this second webinar. Amanda is a reg registered nurse, certified midwife and credentialed diabetes educator. She initially worked in a major obstetric hospital in Sydney in their diabetes clinic caring for women with pre-existing type 1 or type 2 diabetes or ge gestational diabetes. She commenced and supported women choosing to use insulin pumps during their pregnancy. In 2009, she moved into private practice where she now provides holistic diabetes education to adults with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and to women with gestational diabetes. She was a member of the ADIPS Executive Council for four years and is currently the chair of the ADEA Diabetes in Pregnancy Special Interest Group. She is a certified insulin pump trainer and has particular expertise supporting patients with transitioning to insulin pump therapy, stabilisation and continuous glucose monitoring systems. Hello, Amanda. How are you today? I'm very well, Rachel. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. So, Amanda, today we'll be covering the questions that came up for you from the listeners during your live webinar on CGMS. There was a bit of interest regarding placement of the sensor and insertion sites, particularly for women who are pregnant. What would you recommend and, and what are your experiences regarding this? The uh, position of the sensor would depend upon the woman's preference during pregnancy and also their body composition. Some women are a little squeamish around injecting anything near their abdomen where the baby is. And so the aim of the sensor placement is to choose a site with plenty of subcutaneous fat, avoiding muscle areas and areas which have scarring, lipo, hypertrophy, constrictive clothing or skin creases. I find in, in practice that the outer flank is suitable. The upper outer aspect of the thighs and upper arms may also be used if there's sufficient subcutaneous fat and they have a, a second person to assist them on the upper arm because you need a second pair of hands to pull out the introducing needle and to tape it securely. Great, thank you. And another question relating to pregnancy was regarding TGA approval of CGMS. Are you aware if both Medtronic and AMSL are TGA approved in pregnancy? Uh, thanks, Rachel. Uh, the Medtronic N-Light sensor is the only sensor which has TGA approval during pregnancy. And this can be used in conjunction with an integrated insulin pump via continuous glucose monitoring systems, via the Guardian Connect or an iPro. The Dexcom G4 and G5 systems are not TGA approved for pregnancy use. Okay, and apparently the flash glucose monitoring devices are not TGA approved for use in pregnancy either. Do you have any thoughts on this? Pregnancy requires the woman to have blood sugars kept within a tight glycemic target range to reduce the possible sequelae of poor glycemic control to the fetus. The woman's insulin doses are titrated regularly as the pregnancy progresses and insulin resistance increases. So in my experience, the Libre does not provide accurate enough data for pregnancy. 
when you're increasing insulin doses, you need to know exactly what the blood sugar is. And I don't think the Libre does that effectively enough. However, it would serve a role for the needle phobic woman. And if you had a woman who was unable to perform self-blood glucose monitoring, some data is going to be better than no data whatsoever. But I wouldn't particularly rely upon the readings to uh, use during pregnancy. There was also a question regarding the difference between the adhesive used on the sensors and other adhesives that are also available. Do you have any advice or tips regarding adhesives when someone has issues, especially with rash or site allergy? So I found that um, the Mio is is the infusion set belonging to Medtronic that is very hypoallergenic, so they don't get very many reactions to that. But sometimes as the abdomen becomes a bit tauter in pregnancy, they have to switch to the Silhouette infusion set. So if a woman or anybody using CGMS is having um, irritation with the adhesive, I tend to recommend skin prep which you can buy on the internet or from a pharmacy at about $30 for a box of 50 wipes. So it's expensive, but um, it is really very effective. You can also get barred protective barrier wipes. And some people try um, Mastosol, which is a surgical adhesive, which sort of, it, it just creates that sort of adhesive without any irritation to the skin. Obviously, clean skin helps. Uh, avoiding sweating areas also helps. Yep, great. And the last question we had from the webinar was regarding private practice and how to get access and support regarding CGMS. Do you get support from Medtronic with iPro in private practice or did you have to purchase one? And do you have any other suggestions for those working in private practice regarding CGMS services? So when I became a certified pump trainer with Medtronic, I was uh, supplied with all the equipment required to perform and interpret CGMS. So I was given an iPro, a charger, um, a transmitter for, uh, in those days, running CGMS via the VAO. And as they have um, expired, they've always been replaced by Medtronic free of charge. They also came out and supported me with my laptop in getting computer programs to interpret the data and teaching me how to interpret the data. So they were they were highly supportive and, and did actually support the private practice with the provision of free equipment. The GC, so the Guardian Connect uh, that was released recently was subsidised for people in private practice as well so that they could have one for their clinic. Um, Unfortunately, I did have to buy all my own equipment for um, Dexcom and the Dexcom transmitters. I had to buy all of those myself. And do they have a pump trainer program as well? Yep, they have a really great um, training program where they support and educate uh, individuals to become certified pump trainers. And they definitely come out and visit and help you with downloads and supporting your private practice that way. Okay, great. Well, that's all um, the questions that came through. Thank you very much, um, Amanda, for coming back and answering those for us. Before we conclude this conversation, do you have, um, say, three or four take-home messages for our listeners regarding CGM in general, perhaps? Um, Sure, Rachel. I would suggest, uh, first of all, that as a diabetes educator, you educate yourself first so that you're abreast of latest advancements, technologies and equipment available in Australia. I would use ADEA 
the webinars, the website, the medical representatives to keep yourself up to date as an educator. Secondly, I would encourage all diabetes educators to consider continuous blood glucose monitoring systems for anyone, either blinded via an iPro, standalone via Guardian Connect or Dexcom, or an integrated system via an insulin pump with G2 or Dexcom. It provides excellent data, whether it's performed as a one-off or as an ongoing feature of a person's diabetes management. And finally, when you're educating a patient who's about to commence continuous glucose monitoring, the education beforehand is vital and afterwards is vital for success. It allows the patient to learn correct insertion techniques, site location, and the ability to interpret their data correctly, learning to focus upon trends across a week or a month rather than individual readings or days. I feel it's the educator's role to set these patients up for success through education initially. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. And I know that in your webinar that you presented, you provided some links to the, um, the company's websites that also have great training videos that they can follow along and, and have yes. those Yes, both, both, both companies that offer CGMS have really, really good um, up-to-date uh, training aids on their sites to support the patients and the educators. Great. Well, thank you, Amanda, once again. It's been great to talk to you today. I'm sure that this podcast has inspired our listeners to start thinking about working towards expanding their skills in this area. And you have definitely given them some insights into the more intricate dealings of CGMS and how we as diabetes educators can support our patients. Thank you to our listeners for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you haven't already done so, please head to the ADA Learning Management System to watch the recording of the webinar that Amanda presented, along with the other webinars in this series. There is one more webinar in this series as well, and registration for this is also via the ADA Learning Management System. All three webinar recordings will be available along with both podcasts from our two speakers. You can also upload any questions that you may like our speakers to address via the website and we will ensure answers get back to you. So thank you once again, Amanda, and until next time, uh, say goodbye. Thanks, Rachel.